Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Praise God. You may be seated tonight. Well, I called Pastors Dean and Peggy almost two years ago. We scheduled this meeting. Who would have thought when we put this on the books what was going to transpire over the last two years? But the Lord knew. And you're not here by accident. You didn't show up by mistake. You're divinely appointed to be here to receive what God has in store. So I believe the Lord is going to impart something to you that's going to bring transformation to this nation because we need it. Revival fires are burning. Revival fires are burning. We read a sign last week when we went to South Texas. It said, free crabs tomorrow. So you show up to that place the next day, and it's free crabs tomorrow. Tomorrow, they're always free. Unfortunately, in the house of God, we're always looking at, Lord will do it tomorrow. He's already done it. Church, we just need to step into it. Amen? Amen. It is my great honor to welcome Dean and Peggy Caldwell here, full-time evangelist for the last 23 years. They have together pastored uh, three churches. Uh, I hope maybe you brought some of your uh, copies of your books. Uh, you wrote a book on the end times, and um, it is a present-day novel. But you can <laughs> it's, it's right now relevant because we're here. Amen? But I want uh, uh, Pastor Dean to come and just share his heart, and I want you to give him a good Greenville, Texas welcome. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, my friend. Praise the Lord. Amen. I believe it's Genesis 1 and 1, the very first verse of Scripture in the Bible that said, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Have you ever noticed the Bible starts out assuming you believe in God? It doesn't tell you where God come from. There's no history. There's no family background. There's nothing. He just said, in the beginning, God. You know what that means? The Bible's not a book to prove the existence of God. It's a book about the already existing God. Amen. That's the reason the Bible is so harsh toward those that don't believe in God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Aren't you glad you're a believer in the mighty glory of God and his creative power? It's so good to be here, Pastor. We're excited about what I believe God's up to. I just know he's up to something. He's always up to something. I appreciate the invitation from the Sanders. We've known them for a long time. They were in Arkansas for a while, several years ago. And uh, we did preach uh, a night of camp meeting, I believe, I'm not even sure. I've been preaching a long, long time. A long time. In fact, is a Statue of Liberty was just a little girl when I started out. <laughs> I have been at this, I believe, 53 years. Been preaching 53 years, and to be 49, that's not bad. God can cram a lot in a short time. I mean, he sure can. But we're excited about being here with you, and I love the way you worship. I just love that getting in and worshiping God. Well, I want to get into what I feel like the Lord has laid in my heart. 
I want you to turn with me in your Bibles tonight, if you will, to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. I'm going to read only one verse of Scripture tonight, verse number 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. Every one of us is acquainted with this passage of Scripture here. But would you honor the reading of the Scripture, if you can, tonight by standing? Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. You may appreciate this stand when I get started here tonight. But Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, he said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I'm going to tell you, I like the first part better than I do that part. The power of his resurrection, I like that. But the fellowship of his suffering, that's important too. It's part of it, being made conformable unto his death. Let us pray. Fathers, we come to you tonight. I pray you would add your blessing to this word. God, that you would speak into our hearts and lives tonight the special purpose that you have for this service tonight. I'm praying that you'd move that we may be drawn closer to the throne of God. God, we can just hear from you through the word of God. Be challenged, be uplifted, be encouraged. And God, more than anything, we can walk a closer walk with you when we leave this service tonight. Bless, I pray in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God. You may be seated tonight. I want to preach from the thought for the next little bit of time of what it takes to have a relationship with God. What it takes to have a relationship with God. Uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17 is a powerful scripture that gives great insight to something that I think we all need to understand clearly. Romans 10 verse 17, he said, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What that simply means is your faith can never rise higher than, your, than, than the word of God. You have to understand the things of God. Your faith can never supersede the word of God. It can never. You, the more you know about God, the stronger your faith is. The more you learn about God, the greater your relationship is with God. What is the greatest thing that God can give you with the least amount of faith? Anybody here want to challenge that? The greatest thing that God could give you with the least amount of faith is salvation. In order to be saved, all you have to do is believe that Jesus came from heaven to this earth in Bethlehem of Judea as a babe, lived on this earth for about 33 years, died on the cross, rose triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. That's all it takes to have Jesus come into your heart and your life. That's the ingredient of salvation. It's also the pathway to heaven. That will get you into heaven. That's not hard to believe that because all of that's documented. But after you start, after you're born again and you start your spiritual walk with God, it makes a difference in what you learn about God and the depth of God that you have in your life as to how much experience with God that you have. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about, I'm going to start from the very beginning of this, of being born again. That's how you start your spiritual relationship with God. It's step number one. You can't 
start in the middle of this thing. You have to be born again. You've got to be born again. But what is being born again? What does it mean? What does the scripture say when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus? John chapter 3 and verse number 7. In John, John chapter 3, verse number 7, Jesus said, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. It is a must. You can't make it to heaven without it. You must be born again. It's how you start your relationship and your walk with God is being born again. Let's start at the beginning of this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. The book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. This is the first scripture in the Bible that relates to mankind. And God said this in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. He said, and let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle over all the earth, and creeping things that creep creepeth up on the earth. God said, let us make man in our image and after likeness. Image is what you look like. Likeness is what you act like. So Adam was made in the image of God. He was made to look like God. He had two arms, two legs, a body, a head, ears, eyes, nose, and a mouth. That's what God had. And God created man in his own image and after his own likeness. What was the likeness. Adam was created immortal. He was created without sin. He was created to be immortal. God placed him on this earth to live forever. Death did not come about till after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. When they disobeyed God, death come on the scene. But before that, Adam was made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. He knew no sin. He didn't know what sin was. There was no death at the time that Adam was created. But God gave him a warning. He said, Adam, in the day of you eat the, in the day that you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you are going to die. That's what he said. You are going to die. What's he said? You're going to bring death on mankind. Now then, what does it mean to be born again? In Genesis chapter 5, Genesis chapter 5, let me look here a minute because I just want to pick one verse there. Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 3. Now, now watch this because this is very important to see here. Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 3. The Bible said Adam was, watch this, 130 years old. He begot a son after his own likeness and his image and called his name Seth. Now watch this. Image is last on this verse of scripture. It's first in Genesis chapter 1 and 26 when God made Adam in the beginning. What is the difference? In the fall of man, we never lost the image of God. We lost the likeness of God. Now understand where I'm coming from this afternoon. When Adam failed, he never lost his arms. He never lost his legs, his eyes, his ears. He lost his head. I can tell you that. Anybody pull a stunt like that and bring about what he did, he's bound to have lost his head. But he didn't lose the image of God. What he lost was the likeness of God. Now I'm going to explain salvation very simple to you. When you make an altar prayer before God, whether it's in a church, a hospital bed, at the table at home, 
driving down the road and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, here's literally what happens. When you ask him to forgive you of your sin, he moves the sin out of your life. And when he moves the sin out of your life, he births in you the likeness of God that was lost in the fall of man. Now then, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and behold all things are become new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's what's being born again is all about. Maybe I should have preached on just that tonight. There, there's a lot of ground there to cover but that's the first step of being uh, starting your relationship with God. Now go to the book of Exodus chapter 20 and uh, verse number 3. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 3. Now look at this. This is important to see. This is the chapter that houses the Ten Commandments. Verse number 3, God speaking to Moses. He said, Thou shalt have no other gods, little g with the S on it, plural. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What is he saying? A god is anything that is worshipped. You can make a god out of anything if you choose to do so. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 5. The book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 5. Now look at this. Here's the difference between the two. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 5. He said, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. In Exodus 20 and verse 3, God recognized many gods. But in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5, he just recognized there's one Lord. What is the difference between the two? A God is anything that you worship, but Lord shows ownership. Your landlord owns the property you live in. You can't add a room onto your house and go to your landlord and say, you owe me $100,000 because I just built a room on your house. No, he has control of everything that's about that property. When you come to know Jesus as Lord of your life, when you put him in control of your life, when you put him as calling the shots in your life, that's when you're starting your relationship walk with God in detail at that point when you make him Lord. There's a lot of people that know him as God, but they do not know him as Lord God. That's your Christmas and Easter bunch right there. They know him as God, but they don't know him as Lord God. But when you make him Lord of your life, you're saying you call the shots. You're, you're my everything. I'm going to walk with you in the newness of revelation. I'm going to walk with you in the power of your glory. I have made you Lord of my life. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. You are my Lord. You are everything to me. When you make him Lord, he owns you and you love every bit of it. So we have to do some soul searching sometimes. Is he Lord or is he just God? He's Lord God with everything that goes with it. All the benefits there is in serving God. Now then, let's talk about how we can leave this building closer to God than we did when we came in. 
I was born into this thing. My dad was a minister. My mom was a minister. I've got three other brothers that are preachers as well. So I have been in this thing all of my life. I, I know what it is to lay under pew and know what gum was put under there from last week. <laughs> I, I've been in this thing all of my life. And my dad used to preach like this. He'd say, you need more of God. You need a closer walk with God. And I'd sit there as a teenager trying to walk with the Lord. And I'd say, I know that, but I've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. How can I have more God than what I've got right now? How can I leave this building tonight knowing that my relationship with God is greater than it was when I came in this afternoon? Let's talk about that for a moment of time. Turn with me to Romans, the book of Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start reading in verse 37. Don't know how much of this we'll read. Let's start in verse 37. Now watch this, Romans chapter 8. I want to establish something tonight that is very clear to us in the Word of God, and that is the love of God for us. You can't change that. You cannot change that. Jesus loves you no matter who you are, what you've done, what family you're born to, what side of the tracks you live on. He loves you. You understand that? In Romans 8 and verse 37, he said, Nay, in all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That is already established. I'll tell you, sis, while we're this close, back up a page or two there. Go to Romans chapter 5 and put up verse number 8. Uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. I may want to read more of this, but let, let's look here. It said, God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now watch this. Jesus loved you as much before you got saved as he did after you got saved. That, that's hard for us to get our mind around right there. He loved you as much before you come to know him in your relationship with Christ as he did after you come to know him in your relationship with Christ. What's he doing? He's establishing to you and I, he loves us. No matter what you've done, where you've been, what's happened in your life, Jesus loves you. Understand that. He loves you. With that said, now watch this. Your relationship with God is not based on how much Jesus loves you. It's based on how much you love Jesus. Wow. Oh, let's get this down tonight and understand this. Because in the church world, we have a tendency to think like this. We see people in the church and we know them. And we sit back and say, boy, God loves them. Look at how he has blessed them. The Lord really, really loves them in a very powerful way. Well, that's wonderful and good to see people blessed of God. But he loves them 
as much as he loves you. And the sad cry about it is, if they've got more of God than you do, it's because they love God more than you do. Well, we don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear that at all. I'd rather go the other way and look at it and say, boy, God really loves them. I wish he loved me that much. He does. <laughs> he does. He loves you that much. But our experience with God is not based on how much God loves us. It's based on how much we love God. Wow. That's And it, it, you don't have to have a calling of ministry on your life to walk in depth with God. It is for whosoever will. Let them come and drink of the waters of life freely. Whosoever will. Our experience with God is based entirely on how much do you love God. Well, preacher, how can I love him any more than I already love him? Let me just ask a few simple questions here tonight. How long has it been since you've read a complete chapter in the Bible? And I'm not talking about Psalms 117 either <laughs> with two verses of Scripture. <laughs> how long has it been? Do you realize that if you make a priority to read God's Word, you're loving God more than you did? Yeah. Reading the Word of God. But preacher, I don't understand. I just don't understand the Bible. Let me help you out with that. Nowhere from Genesis to Revelation did God say you had to understand it. He said just read it. Just read it. You know what happens when you read it? The Spirit of God takes over. Let me, let me give you an illustration that uh, is, is very real. Your, your brain produces 44 different chemicals. It has the ability of putting any, any amount of chemicals together and creating a formula that operates your body. Your body is based and operated on different chemicals that is produced by your brain that controls whatever you do up here. So let, let's do something real quick. Let's build a breakfast, all right? Because that's kind of got common food in it. Let's say you get up in the morning and you you got two eggs. Man, they're fried and they're good, they're good looking. You got a little bowl of gravy there and, and you got a, a, some biscuits, two biscuits and glass of milk and, and, and maybe some coffee and some orange juice or something like that and, and maybe a big scoop of pear preserves on the side of your plate there. Now, I don't sit down and look at those eggs and say, we'll put some bacon on there too, at least three pieces of bacon. Now, there you go. We're getting a good breakfast going now. And, and I look at those eggs and say, man, that's got protein in it. That, that's good for my, for my muscles. That's, that, that protein, and that bacon, well, it's loaded with protein too. And when I, no, I don't, that doesn't cross my mind. Those biscuits, I look at those biscuits and say, that's got wheat germ in it. And that's good for my nervous system. And Peggy said, that's the case, take three. <laughs> that's right. All right. I look at that orange juice and I say, man, that's got vitamin C in it. That's good for my immune system. That milk, it's got vitamin D and calcium. That's good for my bones. No, that never crosses my mind. Now, I don't know what the pear preserves does, but it's good on one 
one of the biscuits that you got left, all right? I don't know how that operates, but I know how I do it. I put gravy on them eggs, I mash them up, and I just eat them. Whenever I eat them inside my body, my brain produces the chemicals necessary to digest that. It takes the calcium and vitamin D and puts it in my bones. It takes out the protein and puts it in my muscles. It takes the wheat germ and applies it to my nerves. It takes the vitamin C out of the orange juice and that goes to my immune system. While I'm driving down the road, while I'm working on a job, that's all taking place and I don't even know that it's happening. It's all there. Well, watch this. When you consume the Word of God, when you consume the Word of God inside of you, the spirit man touched by God starts doing something very spectacular. It takes out the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith. Against there's no such law. It begins to apply it to the spiritual man of my soul that I may mature and grow in the things of God just from the Word of God. You run across a scripture that you don't understand you come the next uh, service and your good pastor gets up and preaches on it. Now you've got understanding of what it means. It is the power and the strength of the Word of God. Consume the Word of God. Grow in the fellowship of His glory. How else can I grow? How long, what kind of prayer life do you have? How much time do you spend with God in prayer in one day's time? Maybe you got up five minutes earlier tomorrow than you have God and you spend that extra five minutes with God that's loving God more than you did before. I know it's difficult to pray. I, I know that. I got down before to pray and I said, God, I'm going to pray an hour. Ben, I get to praying. I pray for every missionary I know, every person I can think of, all of my family. I, I cover the whole thing. And I'm thinking, man, I've gone over time. I look at my watch and I've been praying 15 minutes. And I'm thinking, God, what am I going to do with this other 45 minutes that I've got to pray about? It is difficult to pray. How many times have you got down to pray? Words is coming out of your mouth and your mind is a thousand miles away. You're praying, oh God, I love you. I appreciate you. Oh my Lord, Uncle Tom and Aunt Nellie's coming in this weekend. I wonder how long they're going to stay this time. God, you are so faithful and so good, powerful and I love you with everything I've got. I bet they'll want to eat out every meal. And knowing Uncle Tom, I'm going to have to pay for every bit of it when he gets here. Oh God, you're so precious, wonderful and good and I love you with everything I've got. Oh God, I wonder if they're going to bring that dog with them. <laughs> the last time they came, they brought two dogs, but I heard one had died. All this is going on while you're praying. You know why? The devil doesn't mind you praying. He doesn't want you to focus on who you're praying to. So the spiritual warfare sets in and the problems start setting there and your mind drifts because you're trying to to focus on God and pray at the same time and that spiritual warfare. Have you ever noticed when you have a big deep need in the family you can get down and pray and you can focus. There ain't nothing drags your mind away on that. 
because it's serious business. Are you following me tonight? It's tough. It's tough. Sometimes God allows some big needs to come our way just so we can communicate with him on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Amen. He's that kind of God, loving God with all of your heart. Well, preacher, why is it necessary for me to have a closer relationship with God than what I've got? I already love him. I've got, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm faithful to church. I'm faithful to God. I'm faithful to my family. Why do I need a greater relationship with God? Listen to me, church. If there is ever a time in the history of the church world that we need a greater relationship with God this day and time we need it we're facing things that we have never faced before in our lifetime or any other in the history of America we're facing things in our family that we have never had to face before it takes a great relationship with God to conquer let, let me prove that to you real quickly here sister go to Matthew chapter 10 Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 1 now now what Watch this. This is important to see here. Uh, then I'm going to go to Mark 9. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 1. And, and when he called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Now watch this. The disciples were called by Jesus, and one of the first meeting that he had, he empowered them to cast out devils and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. Now, go to Mark chapter 9, and let's just put up verse 23 and hang out there till I can get there and explain what I'm talking about tonight. In Mark chapter 9, there's a story of a man that has a son that's demon-possessed. I mean, he is demon-possessed. The father said, whenever they get around the fire, now that devil comes on him and casts him in the fire. Now, there's no telling what shape this boy's in because this dad is not a talking hypothetically. He's talking from experience. This child was probably burned. He's got burns all over them. Dad said, I can't leave him with anybody. They won't watch him like I watch him. When he gets around the water, this thing gets on him and he falls in the water. If I'm not there to get him out, then, then he's going to drown. I am bound to this need in my family. I am bound right there. Can you help me? Look at what Jesus said to him. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. He said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Look at verse 24. And the father of the child cried out with tears, saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, I know this people says, you believe and you don't doubt God can do anything. Here's a scripture where belief and doubt was in the same person and God done it anyway. What is that trying to say to us? He's more willing to bless us than we are to receive it. Understand that. He's more willing to touch us than we are to be touched. And then the father of the child, now he said, I brought him to your disciples and they could not cast him out. 
oh, watch this now. Watch this. Matthew 10, verse number 1, Jesus empowered them to cast out devils, to heal all manner of sickness and disease. But now they have run on something that's greater than their experiences. Oh, watch this. The Bible said Jesus cast the devil out. Now go down to verse 29 of that same chapter. When the disciples got Jesus by himself, they said to him, why could we not cast him out? Look what Jesus said to them in verse 29. This kind, do you catch that? This kind comes out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. What's he saying? Your relationship with God, you've let it kindly die. You've let it get cold. You've let it get indifferent. Yes, he empowered them to cast out devils, but they had run into something that was greater than their, than their experience that they had with God. You understand that? For deliverance there. What am I saying? I'm saying, church, we're running up against things that we never dreamed we would have to deal with in our lifetime. We're running up against things right now that we never dreamed that we would have to work on and we'd have to walk about. We need a touch of God. We need a moving of God. We need our experience with God enhanced. We need a special touch of the favor of God in our lives. And all it takes is to love God more then we love him now. Not hard. Not out of question. It's not out of reach. It's not something that you cannot do. Some of you are going to return home tonight to family members at home that have need that's bigger than your faith. Have problems that's bigger than your experience with God. Yet we talk about the greatness of God. Our God can do anything. Let me tell you something. God won't do anything without you, and you can't do anything without God. So when we open the portals of our soul and just love him more than we love to. Do you realize you could make a covenant with God and have more of God when you leave this building than you have when you come in? God, I'm going to love you more than I've ever loved you. I'm going to love you more, God, than I have ever loved you in my life. I'm going to give you more. I, I'm, I'm about to take a detour here. Because I just felt like some of you are up against things that you realize right now that you're battling and you're not winning. You're just holding your own and you need to win. I want to help you with something tonight. Give me a second to look these scripture up where we can use them for uh, that, that will bless you. Um, Turn with me in your Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Now, I want you to look at this tonight because this is important to see. And this will help you. This will help you enlarge your faith. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper 
than in a two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the mire, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Now back up to the first part of that. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word two-edged means twice spoken. Twice spoken. What does that mean? When I say what God has already said, that's what puts the double edge on the sword. Now let me help you understand what I'm talking about. When God said Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel, David, David, twice spoken, the first time got their attention, but the message always followed the second time. Let, let me tell you something. I don't drop out of heaven, preach a little bit, and go back into heaven. I don't need no help discouraging me. I can do that all by myself, and I'm very good at it. I can drive down the road and talk myself out of more blessings than God can throw on me. But watch this now. When I say what God has already said, that puts the double edge on the sword. Now, what does that mean? When you come in a prayer line and you're prayed for, you feel the presence of God. You feel the glory of God, the goosebumps, the quivering chin. But when you go back home after service is over and you sleep on it and get up the next morning there's no chill bumps there's no quivering chin there's nothing and a demon from hell will whisper in your ear you didn't get anything last night you didn't get nothing give it two weeks and try it again but watch this when you bring the word of God with you in a prayer line and you find a scripture that matches your need as a promise from God and you stand there saying I'm putting my faith on this so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God now watch this when you go home and you sleep on it and you get up in the morning and there's no chill bumps there's no quivering chin get that book Open it up and see if that scripture still reads the same. If it still reads the same as it did last night when you put your faith on it, it don't make any difference how you feel. You're in a market for God to touch you and for God to meet your need. Why? Because you've got something to stand on. You've got something to put your faith and confidence in. The Word of God. How powerful is the Word of God? Well, Matthew 24 and verse 35, he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What does that mean? That Bible's greater than heaven and it's greater than earth. When the heaven melts away with the fervent heat and the earth passes away and is on fire, that word's going to stand. So when I put my faith and my trust on that word, <coughs> we was in Oklahoma a few years ago doing their uh, Southeast Oklahoma camp meeting and, and uh, they, they have an open air 
I guess you call it a pavilion there. I don't know what you call it, but oh, it was jam-packed full. There's three or 400 lawn chairs out around it too. But just before service started that night, a little blonde-headed lady. Church, I'm way off of my message right now, but I'm trying to help somebody here because God's wanting to do something for you. Little blonde-headed lady came up to me and she's just sobbing, Pastor, just sobbing. And she said, Pastor Dean, could I talk with you? And I said, sure. I stepped out of line. I was in line at the concession stand, if you can believe that. Went over to the end of the tabernacle by a cedar tree there, and the first words out of her mouth was, I have AIDS. Boy, I love preaching this gospel. I said, girl, you're to right place. AIDS don't scare God. <laughs> then she told me the story. Her and her husband had divorced. Years so prior to that, he run around over several affairs. She had been sick for about a year off and on, just couldn't gain any strength. Then she heard her husband had AIDS, and she got to thinking, I may have AIDS too. She went to Oklahoma City. That day, they had given her the report. She had AIDS. That night, I preached. We gave a prayer line. The prayer line went clear across that tabernacle out in the grass on both sides, two lines deep. I had them to give me a four-foot space between them, and I had them to bring their Bibles with them in the prayer line that night. When I got to her, she was in the second line. She had her Bible open up to Isaiah 53 and 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. She had sobbed so much, the pages of that Bible were wrinkled and just soaking with her tears. When I came to her, I said, Ma'am, this is going to be a battle for you but you're not going to base it on what you feel. You're going to base it on who you know. I said, every morning you get up, you open that Bible, and you read it, that scripture right there. When you come in for dinner from your job, you open it, you read it again. Before you go to bed at night, you open it, and you read it again. You'll get to where you can just quote it. Let me say something. I have committed... I don't know how much, probably three-fourths of the King James Version Bible to memory. But every day of this world, when I get up, I read three or four chapters from my Bible, open it up even though I know what it's saying, I read it again. You know why? Because I believe it. I believe it. You see, when you base your faith on the Word of God, then the service don't end with you there when we dismiss and leave because you just keep reading that scripture. Three years later, she sent me a message. said, I'm the blonde girl that called you out of the line. I had AIDS. Preacher, for three solid years, I have read it when I got up in the morning, when I come in for lunch, when I come home, in the evening I read it. Before I went to bed, I read it. I have a whole war out under Isaiah 53 and 5, several pages deep. 
But I wanted you to know today, I just came from Oklahoma City. My doctor said I'll raise them kids and I'll have grandkids. And I'm still standing on the word of God. There's power in the word of God. How much do you love him? How much do you love him? That's your decision. Would you bow your heads with the musicians come and help me in this altar service tonight? However you do it here. You know, I struggled from yesterday evening. I started praying, God, you guide me for the service. I struggled all along to this evening and I settled on this for this service tonight and I have done my best to follow the Spirit of God to speak to issues in this place tonight. I want to ask you, is there anybody in the house unsaved? You don't know Jesus as Lord of your life. Sick of living like you're living, but you want Him to be Lord to you. You're not right with God, but you want to be right with God. Would you just slip your hand up? Maybe everybody here is a Christian. I don't know that. I hope so. Then I want to talk to you here tonight. How many right now would slip your hand up and by you lifting your hand, you're making a statement? Preacher, I've got need in my life that's bigger than my faith and bigger than my experience. I want to see your hand. Just slip them up. Hands going up all over this place tonight. Got needs in my life that's bigger than my faith, greater than my experience. Now then, let me ask you another question. How many here, honestly, say, Preacher, there was a time in my life that I had more of God than what I've got right now. I want you to pray for me. Is there a hand anywhere? Here's a hand. There's another. Hands are going up here. There's a time in my life I had more of God than what I've got right now. I want to love him more. I didn't plan to do this tonight, but I feel that it's the leading of the Spirit of God. I want you to get a scripture, your Bible, your iPhone, whatever you've got. I want you to get a scripture that speaks to the need. I want you to get that scripture and then I want you to bring it to the front and just stand around the front of this building because I want to pray with you tonight. I want to agree with you and I want you to know when this service is over, that Bible is not going to change. You're going to base your faith on something that heaven and earth have passed away. God said it is forever settled. I believe it. I believe the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. I stand on it. Last year, when the COVID hit, I ended up with that virus and like to have died. They didn't know I was going to make it for a few days. I laid in the bed in the bedroom after I come home from the hospital. 
my request to come home if I'm going to die I'd rather die at home I was so sick I couldn't get up couldn't breathe but when I would open my eyes my little wife had her Bible open walking around the bed and I could hear her saying he's going to live and not die he's going to declare the goodness of God we're not giving up we're not stopping we're not quitting I wanted to join her but I couldn't but day and night I would wake up and she's walking around the bed reading the Word of God out loud because we believe in the Word of God that strong we believe in that here's what I want you to do tonight you that have a need that is greater than your faith but you have God's Word I'm gonna challenge you read it every morning noon afternoon and night and don't stop until God moves if it's a year if it's three years whatever it is I want you to get up right now and bring that word with you and stand here tonight for prayer